So speaking of renunciation tonight, nekama, which is a parmi, a very clear spiritual quality, which definitely supports our practice, leading to freedom. I'd like to begin by recounting a situation that happened some years ago. I was uh, at an evening Dharma talk, which a friend was giving in an urban setting. And when the teacher announced the topic of the talk, renunciation, one person shouted from the back of the room, let's all leave. (laughs) And he laughed. (laughs) And of course, everybody laughed. (laughs) And um, they stayed. (laughs) So hopefully, there's some interest in relationship to this topic, which is not an easy one to hear about. Because there are many reasons why we, of course, don't take that topic to heart immediately. A lot of my understanding is that we don't really understand the meaning of renunciation. And definitely the idea is not very appealing. The experience is totally freeing. And hopefully I'll convey some aspects to be able to help you clarify your own situation and maybe understanding of this. If it's all clear, wonderful. (laughs) But it might be interesting to sit with this word and just see what is the inner response when we do. How does it sit in your heart when you hear of the word renunciation? And just, you know, take a second here to really sense what is happening at the level of the felt sense, the heart. Okay, so this gives you probably a little bit of a a sense of what's happening inwardly, internally. Often we see renunciation as a kind of self-inflicted punishment. We mistakenly think that renunciation means that we will no longer enjoy anything of life. (laughs) And that our lives becomes really grim, dull, and tasteless. And we look at our practice with this lens, we'll see that as we bring mindfulness to our unfolding experience, we're truly from the beginning of the path to the end of the path, exploring this landscape, this territory of renunciation. It's what mindfulness does. We learn moment by moment to let go. And the taste of this letting go is definitely one of great support. Wonderful taste. A taste of truth. So slowly, the idea may change in relationship to what to expect when we bring in this quality in 
our relationship to the practice and to life events. As Achan Sumedho says, the way of spiritual life is a movement away from the distraction of attaining or acquiring. It is a relinquishing, a letting go. It simplifies our lives, freeing us from that which is unnecessary. There's no judgment or rejection. It is simply pure mindfulness developing in the present moment, the only place truth can be found. So this is really the way that we can define renunciation in relationship to our endeavor of a spiritual path, or if we want, a spiritual life. So in the teachings, renunciation is regarded to be a virtue and not at all a punishment. Now, of course, we all have, you know, some sense of education, and there is a way that we hold maybe ideas and views about this. So it's helpful to understand that here the idea of rejection is not at all what is talked about. We just hold the capacity to incline our minds just more towards liberation, again and again and again. And this, of course, is done through non-clinging. When renunciation is fully realized, we reach the state of awakening. And it's said that a totally awakened being is definitely one who has renounced this sense of grasping and clinging. So it's important to reflect on our misunderstanding, or if we have a full understanding of it, it's great. I think we can really stay and nourish this understanding that we may have had along the time of our practice. And we can also ask ourselves, in relationship to not being fully a renunciate like a monk or a nun would be, in the sense of very clear path as a layperson, what would that mean? And also begin to reflect on our lifestyle. You know, how much is it that this society indulges completely in sense pleasure and is attached and is encouraged to be attached to acquisition and to get more? So there's no doubt that here the invitation is reverse. There's no doubt that uh, it sounds not that we should be deprived of anything or that we should deprive ourselves of what is pleasant, but we understand that there's a certain way that these indulgements that we have and attachments that we have in relationship to what is manifesting for us. And there's absolutely no uh, lack of that. We understand that um, we can a little bit let go. So it's to hear these teachings with a heart that I hope is open to hearing. And if there is a sense of being 
reluctant because of fear or anxiety, which, you know, at times may rise, then to notice that it's also normal, to not be able to know exactly where we're standing, and that we learn. We learn from being here, we learn from being in contact, we learn from being very close to the moment, what is manifesting. And it is a way that we also need to reflect on the fact that on his journey, the Buddha, before he became one, tried the path of very pure ascetism, right? Very clear, many number of years. And he saw that it wasn't the quality of balance that was needed. So at least he spares us from that type of energy, and I think that's really wonderful that he did that for us, right? So we always understand that it is the middle way. And here again, in relationship to renunciation, I tend to favor, really, the sense of the middle way. So there's an appropriate balance. Now, of course, that heightens our sense of mindfulness. What is the middle way, according to conditions, according to what we sense? And that's exactly what we learn. It requires wisdom, not only the sense of awareness, but renunciation really requires this quality of wisdom. Understanding to what extent we need to apply this renunciation, and in what domain. Where is it that it's helpful for us? One teacher said so clearly, renunciation and freedom are two sides of the same coin. It is important to remember this relationship, because if we want spiritual freedom, which of course we all do, We cannot achieve it without letting go of the bonds that restrict that freedom. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? We are bound because we indulge our attachments. And yet, at the same time, we complain that we're not free. And the wisdom says we can't have both. (laughs) That's exactly how we can see that it's really amazing how we think, and this is a misunderstanding, that we can indulge in our attachments, really indulge in them, and be free. These two don't go together. And yet we all do this, and it's insane (laughs) to think that way and to reflect on uh, the path in sync with really freedom. And of course, I'm going to be explaining this a little bit more. So renunciation means that we leave something behind. What do we leave behind? Something that is not serving us anymore. That which perpetuates a lack of satisfaction, bewilderment, confusion, suffering, everything that really creates this sense of dissatisfaction in our hearts and mind. 
So when we find that when our minds are not so heavy or kind of congested with things, events, and also so many memories from the past, then we can see much more clearly what is really manifesting within ourself. And a very clear example is that we can see how we can, (laughs) in a way, congest our (laughs) homes with stuff. I've been just doing a really clear spring cleaning. I don't know if you do this in the States, but it's amazing how (laughs) it was so helpful, you know. And I thought, oh, could I do the same thing with my mind? It would really be helpful. (laughs) So our own homes can be cluttered when we don't really do this cleanup from time to time. How difficult it is to find anything. And I did it from a very small place of really needing to find a little piece of paper which had a very important telephone number on it, which I wasn't finding. I had piles of paper that had just piled up because I was away from home. And it made me really begin to be interested and look at what was happening. So our minds, they get also encumbered in the same way. When we feel heavy, what is happening? We can't know the deepest truth. Therefore, we need to clear, aerate our minds in the very same way. And that's exactly why we're here. As we practice, and really the very clear experience of that letting go is quite a joyful experience. And I'm sure you've noticed that at times, how it feels good, how we lighten up our loads. And it is actually a fruit of our practice, an expression of a freer heart or a freer mind. So in a way, (laughs) there's a real sense of gaining some benefit here. And in fact, at the time of the Buddha, people also struggled. So can you imagine, it's 2,600 years ago. It's not only about (laughs) our Western culture, and I think it's good because... Sometimes, you know, I feel a little guilty (laughs) about everything that we have. And so we can sense that at the time of the Buddha, people had struggled with this um, quality. And it's very clearly mentioned in this sutra, which is called the Tapusa Sutra. And he's a layman, and he's a householder, and he goes into... uh, the place where Ananda is, and he asks for advice. He says, Venerable Ananda, we are householders who indulge in sensuality, delight in sensuality, enjoy it, rejoice in sensuality. For us, indulging, delighting, enjoying, rejoicing in sensuality seems like a wonderful thing. Renunciation seems like a sheer (laughs) drop-off. And he says, I've heard that in this doctrine and discipline, the hearts of the very young monks leap up at renunciation, grow confident and steadfast and firm, seeing it as peace. How is it? And so Ananda says, this calls for a talk, householder. Let's go and see the Blessed One, which means, of course, the Buddha. Let's approach him. 
And so they go, see the Buddha. And Ananda explains the question of the householder. And the Blessed One says, so it is, Ananda, so it is. Even I myself, before my awakening, when I was still an unawakened bodhisattva, thought, renunciation is good, seclusion is good, but my heart didn't leap up at renunciation, didn't grow confident at all, steadfast or firm, seeing it as peace. The thought occurred to me, what is the cause? What is the reason for this? Then the thought occurred to me, I haven't seen the drawback of sensual pleasure. I haven't seen the reward of renunciation. When I familiarized myself with it, that's why my heart began to leap up at renunciation grow confident in it, steadfast and firm, and seeing it as peace. So this is exactly what (laughs) we're being asked to do, to really sense how the way that we see ourselves in this path and the way that we can draw ourselves to greater freedom, which of course we all want, And, of course, you can say freedom or happiness. It may be a greater sense of happiness that you may wish, which is exactly the same, helps us really see what is the cause. And the cause is, of course, wanting. When wanting, this craving is present. One grapples with the power of desire, of attachment. And it also brings up, of course, the fear of not getting, which is totally the same attitude in the mind. One struggles. And yet that very struggle gives us the strength to actually notice that there is a sense of dissatisfaction. And this is why we're here. We're struggling. So we look to see what is happening here. What is being presented to me, to all of us? And when there's mindfulness with wisdom, one may realize that this force of contraction in the mind is where the work needs to be done. It's really the heart of the matter. Whatever we practice, whatever the practice you've chosen for yourself during your time here, there's a way that we understand the path towards non-clinging. Why? Because clinging is suffering, and suffering is clinging. It's as simple as that. And we see this again and again and again. So it's important, the first step, I think, is to really sense when there's a confusion in ourself in relationship to thinking that renunciation has to do with aversion or rejection. And often we equate the two, right? Getting rid of. Aversion or repression is a form of repression in one way, and it's a form for a greater cause of suffering. 
So we can sense this from that place of how is it that I can be mindful of a moment of a pleasant experience and truly live that experience from a place of freedom. Well, there is a very clear way that we can relate to this. The pleasant moment that we have in nature, when we look at a flower, for example, and we really sense the beauty of nature in that moment, or we taste a bite of food and it's pleasant, or we have a pleasant mind state, we're fully aware, appreciating that moment, and we allow it to pass. We allow it to be what it is. This is not at all to be neglected, because the way we hold renunciation is to think that we need to be contracted and maybe not look at the pleasantness of life. And I think it's important news for us because it really releases the heart and mind from contraction. I've practiced quite a number of years in relationship to being really tight in relationship to this very quality and not sensing the benefit because of holding it too tightly. So if this is the case for you, there's a real clear seeing, a real wisdom to be learned here. We renounce to the clinging. We renounce to what is no longer present. And actually, the Buddha says this, it is the clinging that should be abandoned. Letting go is restful. Every time we taste the freedom of letting go, the mind feels relaxed. The heart opens. There's a lightness of being. And that's why renunciation is said to be joyful, peaceful. There's really this sense. So it takes some energy to not only reflect and think what our ideas are about this very quality, but through the practice, through the meditation, investigating what we're doing here and see how we lean towards shrinking or contracting mind, in what situations there's resistance, and how we hold ourselves to move in the direction of greater ease. If we strip away our storytelling or all our explanations about what is happening, we see that clinging to anything at all leads to more struggle. And that's fascinating because the way that we try to figure this out doesn't work that way. (laughs) We really have a need to tap into the reality, into the truth of the experiential wisdom that helps us see beyond or beneath the ideas we hold in relationship to this quality. So renunciation is the response of wisdom and it holds the suffering with compassion.
there's a real sense of being able to face the struggle with a greater sense of care, kindness, and compassion. So the Buddha never judges the happiness born of the enjoyment of worldly pleasure. It really is not about having a judging mind, right or wrong, good or bad. That's not at all his point. It's really about noticing that if we cling or hold on, we're just going to be limiting ourselves. He points to the limitations. And that uncovers a fundamental misunderstanding. So this is the energy of grasping and craving that we can look at. And actually, it's really wonderful. In the Sutta Nipata, there's a line that says this from the Buddha. So you're listening to the Buddha. He says, all the delightful things of the world, sweet sounds, lovely forms, all the pleasant tastes and touch and thoughts, these are all agreed to bring happiness if they are not grasped and possessed. But if you regard them merely as pleasures for your own use and satisfaction and do not see them as passing wonders, they inevitably will bring suffering. It's so wise. So this is the invitation to really understand that renunciation is about the clinging. It opens up a whole realm of relationship which we might not have seen before or that we may have overlooked. So renunciations comes as one of the three qualities of right intention because it requires an intention that counters the thought of endless wanting in our minds. So there's a need to move in the direction, especially if there's a sense of indulgence. Where do we find ourselves? And on retreat, there's no doubt that we are in this situation with a greater sense of restraint, right? I mean, just the fact of not speaking is huge sense of restraint and renunciation. So there's an environment here, a container, which allows us to explore what is truly happening at the experiential level, to meet the suffering and the cause of suffering coming from wanting. So here, in this very situation, we are going to be practicing some sense of restraint. There's no doubt. To be able to deepen our understanding and nourish our sense of letting go. So there are three fields of interest, you can see, where we can support our practice in relationship to this. One is definitely happening at the level of the field of the senses. 
right? The, you can say, environment or outer renunciation and nourishing simplicity. Then there's the whole field of inner renunciation, which is happening in relationship to the field of emotional states, stories, maybe views and opinions that we have, a big area of interest that we can explore for ourselves. The way that we have maybe obsessive patterns that keep repeating themselves, right? So this manifests for us. Where is the place of rest in relationship to this? Where is it that we can be present and less entangled, less burdened? And then the deeper field of interest is this field of self-identity, right? Renouncing to identify everything as being I, me, or mine. So these fields, I'll speak about just a little bit. Simplifying. And of course, we can have as a source of inspiration the incredible, beautiful lineage of monastics that are giving their whole life in relationship to renunciation. There are many different rules that these beings are taking every single day and they have embarked on the journey in a very clear way, re-emphasizing this quality. And I'm very happy that we may have here a person who is representing the monastics. So this to me is a true source of inspiration. And in fact, it's uh, been for some time a temporary path that I've been on for just a few months. But to really sense the, the joy of simplicity in living with the minimum. So for many of us as lay people here at the Forest Refuge, there's no doubt that we are temporary renunciants. I mean, living this life with great simplicity, practicing many hours a day, not speaking, as I said earlier, taking the precepts to heart, integrating this aspect of renunciation and holding the intention to not cause harm to ourselves and to other beings is also a wonderful quality of renunciation when you think of really uh, the struggle that the world is going through in relationship to, to harm, to violence that is manifesting. So we can look at these different aspects. And this first one, of course, we can always emphasize and look a little more clearly in a wise way, again, in a very wise way, see how, and I know on retreat, it always is a question of doing the best we can and holding the intention to see how there are ways that we tend to distract ourselves. 
If it's not happening for you, wonderful. <laughs> but there's always a way that we can hold um, ourselves in a way that we may do just a little bit, you know, too much reading, for example. I had a retreat where I had taken the decision to not read. It was at the Forest Refuge doing a long-term six months period to just see, because that's a strong drive for me. Even Dharma books, you know, really kind of this wanting and craving to, to learn. And it's good to learn. Yet, to what extent? Because we favor the direct experience here. So um, I had decided to take the precept of not reading. And I found myself reading the laundry soap <laughs> box, you know, and it was just so fun because at first I was just like there, you know, reading, and I didn't quite see that aspect of craving mind. It was just there, but I was drawn to really look <laughs> at the box, and then mindfulness came in, you know, immediately. Oh, this is the wanting mind, and seeing it with mindfulness and seeing, okay. It's really interesting how this drive is so important for me and to see if, how is it to meet that moment without leaping forward and going for the book to get it and immediately satisfy that need, but to stay with the lack, to stay with the lack and really sense this is how we're going to be learning something. And to notice the transformation from that idea first of, I need this, right? To then the raw experience, which of course was there because it's just such a habitual energy of mine, and noticing that it could be totally released. And this is a process. For us all, it's going to be a clear process of really staying present and looking, noticing, okay, what's happening? Let me stay with this. Not satisfying the need. And it takes a wise no at times. So this, not from the place of aversion, right? I shouldn't. I'm bad if I begin to read. <laughs> but from a place of interest of curiosity, and to really notice that the deeper satisfaction comes along when we are enabling this wise decision and taking it along, leaping it, and going for the path of renunciation. It was not done once. On that retreat, it happened a few times, reading the board, right? I mean, looking, how many times at the at the board, and it's great, there's one more board now <laughs> that you have, which is the Mildana board. <laughs> Very interesting, and it's just like, you know, plenty of <laughs> fantasies and wonderful words to read about that. Didn't used to be there, and I thought, oh, it's so sweet. And then I thought, whoa, I would need to work with this one. <laughs> so, it really is not a cause for more judgment. And if we see that coming up, then we really bring the mindfulness to the judging mind. 
because it's more harm, it's more struggle, it's more suffering from ourselves. Not helpful brings delusion and confusion. So, it can be that we listen to a lot of Dharma talks to be sure that we know what we're doing. You know, I'm going to listen to that one, and of course, that one's going to give me the answer that I want, except I listen to another one, and whoops, they didn't really say the same thing. So now I'm confused, and right? So bring the mindfulness here. If that is happening for you, really, and I trust you've had practice if you're at the Forest Refuge, and you know that the deepest wisdom comes from within. It's precious time. It really is precious time. And we trust that the deepest wisdom is coming from within. Even if there's a lot of confusion, there's wisdom underneath. And so we move through it and we find ways to relate in a way that we find clarity. So what is the appropriate response when there is the wanting mind? Well, we need to check. Sometimes, as I say, it's a very clear, wise no. Refrain. This is not helpful. And if we look, we'll know that the appropriate response is a wise no. At other times, it may be a completely different attitude. So we don't have the exact right ingredient for all times. This is an inquiry, an investigation for ourselves, coming forth from the place of interest. In coming here, we also try to let go of a level of control, because I notice for myself that there's that sense of wanting to control, you know, and we don't have much decisions to take, unlike in our lives. And that's, you know, can bring a little bit of fear, no doubt, right? And we can see how the mind wants to control the environment (laughs) just because we may come face to face with a greater sense of vulnerability and fear. And we think that if we have some kind of control in relationship to the environment, then we are going to feel more secure except that it's not the true sense of security. It's a false sense of security. We're actually trying to protect ourselves from feeling the impermanent nature of life, what Miyoshin talked about the other night. From being deeply, deeply in touch with change, that's at times not comfortable. So when we are with these feelings of control, we notice, oh, maybe there's some emotional state beneath that is happening. And we bring in this wonderful quality of care and kindness. We touch our vulnerability and fear from that place of tenderness as best we can. And then we really sense what's true, what really is true in that moment for ourselves, So there are so many ways that we can relate to this quality. 
it's not a given once and for all. You really need to see for yourself what is supportive and always take that side of what is supportive for me. Being curious, interested, I think is really helpful. Now this requires that we let go of certain distractions. How amazed it is that the mind can get so busy, that we can get so busy, you know? It's so interesting how much time we can spend in the small events, like, you know, just planning the laundry time and the shower time and setting up our day around these events so we have a sense of real uh, kind of control and security. And if that is so and it's helpful, this is what is needed. But see from which place it's arising. What is happening in the process of grappling and struggle? It's all part of the process so that we begin to meet the moment more freely. Joseph, of course, Joseph Goldstein, when I say Joseph, he has a great line. He says, I've seen in my own practice that applying restraint enables me to clearly experience the impermanence of desire itself. That we see that the wanting mind, that the desire is not permanent at all. It also comes and goes. And this is such a relief when we see that. Now, if we indulge, we won't be seeing that impermanence of desire itself. So, an interest. Exploring the realm of the inner world of ideas, views, and opinions mental states, thoughts that we hold. Now here again, it's never a moral judgment. Really to notice that its sole purpose is to help us live more freely. It's not about a moral judgment, good and bad. So, It's not about having a sense of an abstract ideal of how perfect we should be. And often these thoughts really underline these tendencies of mind, how we're not good and how we should be good. Our ideas of perfection or in relationship to the practice, what the practice should look like. And it's not looking at all like that. And so we really feel that we're struggling. So this attitude of looking at our own ideas from that place of curiosity and renouncing these thoughts of perfection, of ideals, an attitude of open investigation, Because at times we can really sense that if we apply renunciation in a very kind of tensed way, 
it can even lead us to a more unwholesome place. Renunciation in the sense of rejecting who I am to become this incredibly wonderful meditator and impose on ourselves a sense of perfection, which is not real at all, an abstract idea. And that, of course, is an imbalanced attitude. So renouncing this type of relationship where we hold on, cling to a sense of view about ourselves that is causing suffering, even creating a sense of harm. I've seen this happen so much for myself that I really hope you take this to heart so you don't go through the same suffering in relationship to staying in with the view, the idea that it should look different or that I should look different. Of course we're going to meet the thoughts and the emotions that are there, that are painful. But any amount of it that can be seen from the perspective of balance will help us surface and really go surf with the direction that is hoped for, that we don't get swept away or that we don't feed them. Renunciation can also clearly manifest in relationship to wonderful states of mind that we may have had in our practice. You know, just subtle states of peace, of joy, or even great calm. And we know that they arise and pass, but we want them back, right? We really try everything in our practice to get that state back. So many teachers speak of this, you know. It's amazing how we all have had times, sometimes two years, three years, of struggling to get that perfect state, incredible bliss or peace back. And it can't happen that way. So we choose the path of letting go to really see that it's not happening that way. The third field is the renunciation manifesting in relationship to the sense of self. And of course, this is the deepest. We learn to see through the false notion of the self-view. And we'll be talking about this this month. Not negating self, that's important, but see the empty nature of a certain type of self-view that we may hold. And we can sense how we do that. To see clearly that when we identify with any aspect of our experience, and it may be, you know, the very simple seat that you're on since three days becomes my seat, my cushion. And if you see someone else on that cushion, (laughs) you will have a sense of ownership, I can tell you. It's so quick. It's amazing. You weren't here before. And so quickly 
we grasp hold of that seat and it becomes ours. This is my seat, my cushion. Or it's me feeling sad or joyful. It's me having this mind state. The sense of self identifying with every single sensation, thought, emotion that manifests as passing mental or physical phenomena narrows down and it solidifies. This is the clinging itself. So we bring an awareness where we can sense the I am feeling from a place of awareness. And I am, when I I am, how it solidifies. And when it does not arise, it's just awareness, mindfulness, wisdom, and there's no grasping, and the process just unfolds. And we're just with the truth of things. Flow of life, manifesting, changing, being in contact with the flow of things. Contact, feeling, and simply what is different, no contraction, no fixation, no holding. Freedom. That is the freedom that we're talking about. So the me in relationship, of course, to the stories that I build about myself and all the beliefs that I have about myself, what I think about myself. You know how it's incredible in relationship to a sitting. We have a pleasant mind state. Oh, how good I'm doing. <laughs> the next moment we have, you know, this awful <laughs> mind state and how bad we're doing. And it's just a question of a self-view based on a thought that defines me or me in the practice. Now we learn through seeing this. We really learn what is happening deep down. So it's not about not having the conditioning. The conditioning is there. There's no doubt. We all have it. Over and over again, we really understand deep down from our guts. And the more we are in the work, the more there is that gut feeling that the way to peace is letting go. And it's happening at its own pace. Now that's the thing (laughs) that we need to really, really remember, that it has its own pace. And the more we want to speed it up, the more there's going to be the presence of wanting. So it's never going to be about getting more to feel the end of pain. And so the Buddha's statement is really one of understanding that nothing whatsoever, he says, is to be clung to as my, me, or mine. And that is the deep, deep, deep wisdom in this teaching, very specific to this teaching, actually. Now, Suzuki Roshi says that in accepting that things pass away, there's a deep peace coming along, and it comes very naturally. This is our natural state. Release, natural state of ease, 
is the truth. So we begin to understand the benefits of renunciation and choose the way towards it. What do we need? Really, I've questioned, and it's been kind of a a phrase, like a mantra, that I've been living with probably these last five years, really looking at what is it that I need in order to be happy. And I take this line, which is of course my own, and speaks to me so deeply now. What is it that I need in order to be happy? And it's so interesting what comes up. And I'm not going to give you the answer. You look for yourself, for your own sake. What is it? What is it really deep down when you're sincere and honest with yourself? So we just partake in the events of this life. And when we're connected, what I'll say is that we don't need much. Just a moment of clear seeing, in a moment of sitting, in a moment of walking, just being with life in its simplicity. And what happens there is that there's so much more receptivity and that replaces the habitual tendency of reactivity. There's a capacity to receive, to allow, to sense, rather than react and contract. So this is from a the Dhammapada, it says, if by giving up a lesser happiness, one could experience a greater happiness, a wise person would renounce the lesser to behold the greater. And we understand this if we've had practice. We really truly understand that that's the way. Bhikkhu Bodhi says this, it is to pass from gross, entangling pleasures to an exalted happiness and peace, from a condition of servitude to one of self-mastery. It's no small thing. (laughs) Desire, he says, ultimately breeds fear and sorrow, but renunciation gives fearlessness and joy. So it's, something that we want to take to heart. And I'll end with a line of the Buddha. He says, Lose the greed for pleasure. See how letting go is peacefulness. There's nothing that you need to hold on to, and there's nothing that you need to push away. This is the middle path, living with things the way that they are, whatever it is that presents ourselves. 
no need to struggle with temptation. So this quality of renunciation really deepens our understanding of ourself to begin with, of life, and of course, our relationship to other beings. There's a real sense of holding than a quality of gratitude and contentment, joy an appreciation for the incredibly beautiful life that is at our disposal. And I feel that at the Forest Refuge for practice, there are no better conditions. It's totally amazing. (laughs) You know, I come from teaching in so many places in the world. It's amazing. (laughs) This place is paradise, heaven, for, for practice. And so it's great because I was noticing that. And I thought, if you're not happy here, the work must be in here. It's not about the (laughs) outer conditions, you know, because it really can't get better than this. So let's get to work. I remember really clearly the very first time it opened and we were sitting, 2003. And of course, the mind was struggling. And for once, it was really impossible (laughs) to put it on (laughs) the environment and the outer conditions. It was just so clearly happening in relationship to the mind-heart being entangled. And so we can see that maybe for ourselves if we have a sense of perspective. At times we don't, right? (laughs) And... We help ourselves in those cases. Thank you for listening. We'll just spend one minute in silence, feeling the warmth of the room. It's finally summer. <laughs> and just resting in the moment.